0: Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. You are listening to an episode of The Host Show. I'm your host, Jesper Rivers, and we release a new episode of this show every single Monday. And in these episodes, I interview Airbnb hosts from all around the world to share their stories and provide tips and tricks on how to get started and be successful as an Airbnb host. Now, this episode is brought to you by SDR Legends the only exclusive mastermind that connects the top CEOs and short-term rental business owners at the most unique travel destinations. So if you're running over 50 short-term rental units or you're managing boutique hotels or you're an investor in the short-term rental space, then we invite you to apply for the mastermind at strlegends.com. We'll get on a call with you to see if the Mastermind is a good fit. And if it's a win-win, then we look forward to welcoming you in a couple months at our first live event at an incredible beachfront short-term rental property in Oaxaca, Mexico. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Enjoy the show.
1: for your paid for your pet. Get paid for your, pet. Get paid for your pet.
0: welcome to episode 461 of get paid for your pad and today i am talking to what i would say is the short-term rental king of aruba mr alex sebul he's the owner of uh, vacationaruba.com which is an awesome domain and he manages over 100 villas on that uh, beautiful tropical island so alex welcome to the show
1: Thank you very much for the invitation, Jasper. It's a true pleasure to be here and share a little knowledge of myself and experience with, with other people.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm excited to learn more. I don't know that much about your business yet, actually. You recently joined our community, You became a member of the SDR Legends Mastermind. I guess we'll be hanging out in June at our, in Mexico on our first event, so I'm excited for that give us some background like first of all let's start with Aruba like some people might not know exactly where where that is Kate tell us a little bit about that island
1: yeah of course so Aruba is a very special island it's the southmost island in the Caribbean it's only about 20 kilometers north of Venezuela that makes us the one of the few islands that's not in the hurricane belt so we don't have a hurricane season we haven't had a hurricane in over I don't know 35 40 years and that makes it an island that, that a lot of people want to visit because they can program and, and you know they don't have that fear of a hurricane during their vacation. Um, it's also one of the safest islands in the Caribbean. It's very well-developed. Um, we have huge hotel chains. Marriott has five hotels here. They're building a St. Regis. I think we were the first island having uh, Ritz-Carlton. So it's an island that depends 100% on tourism. It has amazing beaches, amazing restaurants. For the size of the island, and it's only 100 square miles, so it's a small island, very well developed, very well thought and planned for, and you're more than welcome to come here.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I I actually visited just over a year ago. I celebrated New Year's in uh, in Aruba, and that was my first time, which is kind of interesting because I'm from I'm from the Netherlands, and technically Aruba is part of part of the Netherlands. Yeah, it's a re- special region of the Netherlands. I don't know exactly how this, how they structured it, but there's a lot of Dutch people there, right?
1: Yeah, th- there's not as many as in Curacao and Bonaire and St. Martin because Aruba, for some reason, has brought in a lot of um, South American immigrants, so the culture is a lot broader. But yeah, I mean, we're we still part of the Dutch kingdom. We're proud of it because the Dutch kingdom is always there for us. When necessary, during COVID, there was a great help. But yeah we we have a, a nice mix of cultures a high percentage of our tourism is from north america especially the northeast canada and dutch so those, we have a little bit of everything and that makes aruba even more unique
0: yeah yeah that's what i noticed man. when i when i was in aruba i was like wow this is such a interesting mix of cultures like on the one hand i i, I, w- I would walk into a supermarket and I, I would see like products that you can normally only buy in holland Right, and yeah. so I'm like, wow, we can you can get this stuff here, and you know, a lot of people speak Dutch, but then a lot of people, there's a lot of Americans on the island. You know, I was actually staying with an American who was uh, Robert Nunez. So shout out to him. I don't know if you've have you heard of him? Are you no. familiar with him? He was on the he was on the podcast. Like he's he's on the north of the island. He does he does like a co living type of uh, place up there. But but yeah, he's he's really cool, and he he's from the U S. But there's so many, so many people from Latin America as well, right? So yeah, it, it's just so funny. Like every time I walked into a restaurant, I was like, should I speak Dutch, English, or Spanish? Like you never know what they what some, what the waiter is gonna is gonna speak to yeah. you. Yeah,
1: and that's really special because you know most people or almost everyone here speaks at least English, Spanish, Papiamento, and and Dutch. Most people speak Dutch. I, I mean, I didn't go to the, the public school here. But, you know, most people know four languages, and that's a very, very unique and culture-filled thing because it's not common.
0: Yeah, especially for a small island like that. And, and just for the listeners, Papiamento is a, is a local language that they, they only speak it on the Caribbean islands in, in Aruba and Curaçao. And they don't really Bonner. speak it anywhere else, right? No, no, no. It's a funny mix between like Portuguese and Spanish and English and... Dutch. Dutch as well. Yeah, I, yeah. It's...
1: I, I think it's, it started off with a way of communication between the Indians back in the day, the slaves and the Europeans. So that mix of people translated into into what's called papiamento.
0: Yeah. Where, where are you from, by the way?
1: So my dad's Polish. He left Poland before World War II. So my dad's 93. And my mom's from Colombia, from Barranquilla. I've grown up here, so I really do feel myself as an Aruban. I'm proud of being from here, but I'm a little bit like Chinese fried rice.
0: (laughs) You're like a really interesting uh, mix.
1: Yeah, I I was born in Miami. So Miami, um, Poland, Colombia, and lived all my life in Aruba.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay. Let's talk about your short-term rentals, because you know, you've got more over a hundred villas. Uh, again, you have a really strong brand with vacation Aruba.com. How did you get into renting out on, on Airbnb and renting out short-term rentals?
1: My whole life I worked managing family businesses. One of our managers in a furniture store we have in Aruba called Crown had bought a house and he divided it into two and he told me, Oh, you know, um, I was going to rent it long-term, but I think I'm going to try renting an Airbnb. I'm like, oh, what's Airbnb? Oh, no, it's, you know, he started explaining to me about the short-term rental. This is only about six years ago or seven years ago. I'm like, ah, interesting. Then next to my house, about five homes away on a main road, I saw a house for sale in a public auction. I said, ah, you know, this looks like a pretty good investment. I went to the auction. I bought a piece of property. It's 400 square meters of construction. So it's a big, big home. I said, this is too big. Let's split it into three, three bedroom apartments. So I split into three, three bedroom apartments. And my friend told me, Hey, why don't you try renting it like I do? Because I get a lot more money than if you rented it long-term. So that property started doing really well. Within four months, I kicked out a long-term rentee I had, fixed that house nicely and made it a short term. And then started organizing a little bit more and I would be Constantly booking, very well, busy, good reviews. And a family building of ours, which had 19 apartments, went on fire. And my dad told me, you know, Alex, I'm too tired to deal with this. I'm 90 years old or 88 at the time. I'll gift you the building, but I don't want any headaches. So I got some finance, fixed up 19 apartments. It's practically a small hotel. It's also an Expedia on booking. Set it up, and that started doing really well. Uh, and then suddenly, some friends would tell me, "Hey, how come yours are renting and mine's not?" I told them, "You know, I can I can teach you how to do it." He's like, "No, no, no, I don't want the headache. Dealing with guests every day is too much trouble for me." Okay, how much can you charge me commission? I'm like, "No idea. Let's see whatever any other company charges, and I'll do the same." And then added up one more, one more, one more. Then you know it started getting really hectic when I got to 40 properties between the 20 apartments and, and the four others I had that were my personal. And I started adding more people into the, into the team. And with COVID, I think it was the best. I mean, it's very sad what happened. And I know a lot of people lost their jobs, but it was a perfect opportunity for whatever person is not happy with their property manager to say, hey, you know, this is the perfect time for divorce. There's no bookings in the next year, everything's canceled. So I got a lot of people who are unhappy with their current property manager changed and moved with me. And I was taking pictures, but I'm still thinking actually this week, we took four property pictures. So we're still adding on a lot, but I started adding more and more and more and more and more. Luckily, everything's gone well. I've tried to set up as best as possible. Between COVID, I think we went from about 50 to 60 to about 90 or 100 within a year. And right now we're at 120 and I get calls every day. We have four or five homes being renovated right now and it's constantly growing.
0: Wow, that's amazing, man. It's, it's so interesting to hear that, you know, six, seven years ago, you had no experience with Airbnb and now you're managing like over 100 units. That's just crazy. It's just crazy to me how, how fast these, these businesses have been built in the, since Airbnb came along.
1: There's a lot of information and knowledge out there. You guys are great help because you guys teach, you inform, and having the will to grow, having the will to do things well. And with the opportunity of all the information there is online, if you really want it, there's a lot so you can get, get ahead and go forward with your business.
0: Yeah, for sure. What does your current team look like to manage all those units?
1: So I'm sure it's fast. I'll start with that. But um, right now we have one full-time concierge. We get kickbacks from all the car rentals, the tours, the activities, chefs, masseuse, anything that we recommend, we get kickbacks. So that's our first person. Then I have two people who are guest relations. All they do all day is check in on guests, make sure, hey, Jasper, Everything all right, do you need anything? Can we make your, your trip more enjoyable? And they're practically chatting all day with guests. And then we have a team of about 12 cleaners. I have one office representative that she's the person in charge if there's any complaints to coordinate with maintenance and with the cleaners. So we have 10 cleaners, two maintenance guys,
0: and me. And and you are the pretty much the general manager of the, of the whole business?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm in the process of getting somebody to do, help me with the operations the day to day to avoid all the headaches. And the truth is, you know, I get calls for new properties all the time and it's time consuming. And I think I could improve it, improve the process of onboarding properties if I had the, the time.
0: Yeah, sounds like you need, that's what you need, like a general manager to, to get you out of the day to day so you can fully focus on, uh, you know, the higher level stuff.
1: Exactly. <laughs> i hired um, a full time I, I had outsourced the accounting and but the the accountant is it, it's a i'm gonna get hire a full-time accountant she starts at the end of the month so we're very excited about that
0: yeah so you said you have two guest relationship managers do they check people in in person
1: so you know covid was the perfect timing for that change we were doing all the check-ins personally um but you know it gets really really difficult especially with People, they would have land, but you don't know if maybe they have issues in the car rental. If they went to the supermarket, they went to have lunch. And then I would have somebody waiting two or three hours. So wherever it was possible, I started putting smart locks. I started putting lock boxes. Then I would have the excuse, oh, but, you know, with COVID, people don't want to meet each other. So even better. But what I would do is, you know, we would calculate the time of arrival, send them a message. Hey, Jasper, I know you must have checked in already. Just want to make sure if you found everything as you expected. We do have some automated messages that do the same. But, you know, when the guest relations, you most of the time they add people on WhatsApp. So it's very personal. It's very, you know, we want to make sure that people have the freedom or the opportunity that if there's anything wrong, let us know. Let's find a way to improve it right away. And things do go wrong. I mean, not everything's perfect, but, you know, it's more about the reaction. If making sure you get whatever didn't go right or perfect from the beginning, the reaction can make up way better than, than if everything was perfect.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's something that I've learned as well over time is the way that you respond to a situation is, uh, it has a bigger impact than what, what's actually happening, right? So let me ask you this. What is one thing, if you were to go, go back six years in time, what is one thing that you would have done differently?
1: If I knew I was going to grow this quickly, I would have brought a, a, a real operations manager from the start so that he grows into the company. It's a lot harder to bring somebody else in and tell them, oh no, I do things this way because I can bring, I don't know, a, a manager of a hotel, but they come with all the the thought process of the hotel. And that's probably not the same thought process I have. So, you know, trying to bring somebody in to learn my way is a lot harder than if somebody would have come early on and organize everything a little more from the start.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Do do you have most of what you do documented in systems? I know,
1: but I, I know you. I know where you're going, and yeah, I have to work on uh, on trying to get everything documented. Um, I heard you speaking about it not too long ago with Eric, and I started, but I need to get really informed with writing everything down. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Because I can imagine if you if you get somebody once you're at that stage of over 100 units and you get somebody to take over the day-to-day, and you have to kind of transfer all that information from your brain to that person, that's a major project.
1: Major. I mean, it's it's so time-consuming, and you know, I've brought some people in that have had high management jobs, and they tell me, Alex, what you do is not normal. I mean, it's impossible to manage things the way you have managed. And the truth is, I don't feel overwhelmed, like crazy, overwhelmed, like they make it sound, but it would have been a lot easier if there was a way to give them a piece of paper or a presentation and tell them, you know, this is the way, or this is how we do it. Or so, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a process. I can easily complain about it, but you know, I've been blessed. I've been lucky to, to be in this position. Thousands of people would sign themselves up to be where I am, you know, with the stability, with the freedom. So. I mean, I just have to deal deal with it and try to find the best solution possible.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, it's definitely, it's definitely a luxury problem. And, you know, that's interesting, too, is to realize that as your business grows, like you're always going to have challenges. It's just like you get, it's almost like you get better challenges. Right? It's like you, you get the challenges that you want to have.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a pain. Nobody likes having to deal with issues, but, you know, I'd rather have these issues than than others. So I think I'm blessed and I have to appreciate it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I love that mindset of just being grateful for that. What's your end goal?
1: You know, I get that question all the time and I haven't found an answer to it because people don't know, okay, Alex, how much more do you want to grow? And the truth is, I don't know. I think, you know, if I managed to set up this in a way where I can... I like doing check-ins. I like talking to guests, but you know, I like doing these things whenever I want to, and not when I need to. So I want to be in a place where I have the stability. I can do these things as a hobby. I can visit guests, owners, have a chat. I don't know how big this can become. It's grown and it's continuing to grow so quickly that you know I think I'm already in a snowball that's going down, and and I have to just wait and see. I think there's a lot of opportunity here on the island. The island has it's a great tourist destination, I don't know. I'll, I'll try to grow as long as it still makes me satisfied and happy. Up yeah. to now it doesn't seem to stop.
0: <laughs> Go with the flow. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. What are some what are some of the biggest challenges that you encountered as you were growing? Your business, so from zero to like twenty to fifty. What what's some of those inflection points where it's like, oh, now I'm I'm suddenly I'm facing a very different challenge than before.
1: It's difficult, but one is you know each owner when you're managing somebody else's property, each owner thinks their house is like their child. Their house is like the special one, and there's an ego effect to it. So you know when managing many different properties a little difficult because different owners want things in a very specific way, and the grow, the more you grow, the more you have to standardize everything to keep it simple for the operation to work properly. So the more requirements an owner has, they, they might see it something very small, but when you have to do it differently just for one out of a hundred, you know, trying to make, please all the owners is probably one of the biggest difficulties I think that's probably, you know, the second one is probably, you know, getting the players to be a team, you know, everyone has to get along. And I think that's a problem in general. When you have many employees, you start noticing that, you know, they don't want to be as friendly or they don't want to be as helpful to each other as they should.
0: Yeah. How did you solve that problem or that challenge with the owners?
1: I've been really honest. You know, sometimes I tell them, you know, I really can't do that. You know, I have to manage so many properties. I need things to be somewhat standardized. The truth is, you know, I I'd rather be honest and not over promise or tell them I'll do it and can't do it. You know, the truth is I, they have to see that this house is just another house for me. I know it's really special for them. I know it's a lot of money. It's a big investment they've put into creating this house, but sometimes those small details that they want really don't make a big effect in the long run. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't want to say each house is a hotel room because it really isn't. Each house is unique. Each house has its charm. And I sell it that way. But, you know, we have to see what the big picture is. Uh, what's the what majority of the people look and not, not try to guide ourselves based on exceptions.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The setting clear expectations is, is quite important there. So let's talk about a little bit more about the team because you're saying like, you know, it's, managing a team is difficult. It's a skill set. It's a new skill set that you kind of have to develop, right? When you're starting out, it's just you and maybe a couple of cleaners. And now suddenly you have, what is it, like 15 people in your team?
1: Yeah, approximately. Yeah. Without the outsource. That isn't easy. And it, I'm actually living through a difficult situation with a couple of employees. But the truth is, you know, there's a lot of people willing to work. There's a lot of good people out there. It's sad to say, but, you know, if somebody doesn't work, you have to just find somebody who does.
0: Yeah. What what are some of the sort of learning lessons? Like what are some things that you've learned through like being more of a leader of of a team than, than being just, you know, the small operator?
1: A lot of people underestimate the difficulties of having to deal with people. I mean, egos, proudness, you know, sometimes dealing with people is really the most difficult part. If I could, I wish I owned all the properties and managed all the properties. But, you know, it's not the case and and it's part of the game. You know, if you wanna wanna manage many properties, you're gonna have to deal with many owners. If you're gonna have to deal with many employees, you're gonna have to deal with many situations. It's just part of it. And, you know, you see it in all types of industries. It's not something that just happens in the vacation rental industry. or It's not just happened in the tourism industry. It's just Mm -hmm. wherever there's groups that need to work together, there's gonna be situations.
0: Yeah. What kind of a business experience that you have before you started your short rental business? Because you mentioned that you you were working in some other family businesses.
1: So I managed five pawn shops. So it's a little, it's a very different industry. So we, yeah, we managed five properties on the five pawn shops on the island. I still work as a as a consultant. I probably work about one or two hours a week with the pawn shop. I really appreciate because I learned so much there and. It's, I, I worked there for 15 years before I started the, the vacation rentals, but yeah, I mean, it's a different ballgame, but at the same time, you know, it's the same situations, the same trying to find the best or most efficient ways to do things. You know, I, I remember in the beginning, people would tell me, oh no, I want to use my sheets because my sheets are more beautiful. And right now we use white sheets, my sheets everywhere. So I sell the sheets to the owners every year, need to replace the new sheets. Everything's white. We do commercial um, laundry for everything. Cleaners don't have to wait on wash machines or dryers to finish the job at the homes. And that's taking off a big chunk of time because, you know, it gets to the details that, you know, is it worth having buying the small shampoos or getting dispensers? Is it worth having the commercial laundry? Is it worth having your own sheets? We really have tried to become more and more efficient in finding the the best ways to standardize, to keep it simple and to make it work in the best way, yeah,
0: yeah and if you don't do that, like it's very difficult to scale to over a hundred units.
1: yeah yeah, it's impossible. It's a coincidence, but you know sometimes I have chats with, with hotel managers. Um, I'm actually going for dinner today with the GM of the Holiday Inn, which is a hotel that I think has about nine 900 rooms on the island. It's probably one of the biggest ones. And we have similar problems. E- even, you know, I have 120 properties. If we average it out to three bedrooms, a property, I have about 300, 350 rooms right now.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's a pretty, that's a pretty decent hotel, 350 rooms. Yeah.
1: I used to make fun uh, when I started with the commercial laundry. I would tell them, oh, here's your smallest customer. And now I say that. And they're like, no, no, not anymore, not anymore. <laughs> so now they're proud of me. They say that I'm catching up to the big guys.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. You mentioned linen and how you, you, you buy the linen in bulk and then you sell them to the individual owner. Like, where, where do you source the linen? I'm
1: buying out of Miami. Everything is imported on the island. So I was buying from TY Group. Right now, everyone's short of linen, so I've been looking at different options. Um, I try to buy everything all 100% cotton. I do triple sheathing, everything exactly the same everywhere. White is usually easy to get stains off. It's easier, it looks clean because white's a color that represents cleanliness. It looks organized, and I think it's probably one of the best decisions I did. I have linen room that's about Six hundred square feet. That's full up to the top when 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 it's low. So it's a lot easier when cleaners come in with clo- with everything ready. The the make the beds and they take all, all the dirty and just bring it to the main main office. Yeah.
0: yeah, 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 for sure. Just out of curiosity, have you heard of a company called Host GPO? No, they're like a built buyer of products for the short-term rental industry. So the the whole idea is like they have members and they can provide discounts because they're buying in bulk right you're putting you know 100 short short-term rental managers together who then through host gpo buy like stuff at all these all these bigger stores and that way you can get pretty big discounts because that's something where hotels have kind of an edge over in the hospitality industry they're these big hotels they can buy all this stuff like really cheaply because they're buying a lot of it right so I was just curious if you heard about yeah. that, but um, I don't know. It could be something for you to check out if you're having trouble sourcing like well-priced linens.
1: Yeah, it's like a buying group.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Okay, I'm gonna look it up.
0: Yeah. Cool, man. Let's see what other questions I I have for you. We've talked. Uh, we've talked about quite a lot. Is there is there something that you think uh you you think it's really important to talk about that we haven't discussed yet?
1: I can't think of anything in particular, but, you know, there, there's there's a lot of things. You know, the dynamic pricing's a big game changer. That's something I would recommend to to anyone in the business. Yeah. You know, there's softwares that have done this for years manually. We're never able to do the same job that these softwares do. Here in Aruba, you know, everyone will always think, oh, it's peak season just for New Year's and Christmas, which is three or four times more expensive than the rest of the year, and then low season. But, you know with this dynamic pricing and the revenue management systems you know Memorials week Presidents week Labor week all these long weekends you know we have very very high demand and we're losing all, on a lot, a lot of money um, in revenue and another thing is you know there's a glass ceiling in the sense that oh if this house we rent it most of the year for 250 we can't rent it for more than 600 even in peak season but you know that's you tell yourself that but you're not willing to put it at that price today i rented i got actually a rental for New year's this year, and I usually rent that house for five hundred dollars. I rented for nineteen hundred dollars for six days so you know you're getting four times what I would have maybe asked i might might have asked a little more than 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 five hundred maybe eight hundred or nine hundred, but you know I'm getting four times. So that one reservation paid off for the whole years of the revenue management system. <laughs> yeah, and leftovers.
0: Yeah. And yeah, I absolutely. I had the exact same experience. I started using dynamic pricing in 2014, and it was record. Some of the prices that I was recommending, like I felt almost a bit guilty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That much.
1: <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, Aruba is a very, very high-end market. Even the holiday in during Christmas or New Year's is a $600 a night, you know, so this is a five bedroom home. It really, you know, it really isn't that expensive. It's just, we tell ourselves that it's too expensive, but a Ritz Carlton a night here can be $2,500. Yeah. So why not a five bedroom with a private pool?
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, the end of the day, it's just supply and demand, right? That uh, determines yeah. like well, people are willing to pay, so so yeah i mean the best thing you can do as a as a business owner and it's almost like your it's your responsibility as a business owner to act in in favor you know of the business right yeah so it makes complete sense to just price price your units what the market rate is right and those dynamic pricing algorithms those companies that are in a much better place to figure out what that market rate is than us just looking at like you know on airbnb i remember back in 2012 when I started, I was like checking out some other apartments on Airbnb and just seeing like, okay, what are these people charging? Cause I had no idea what to charge.
1: Yeah. And you know, instead of thinking about how much I can charge, we will always think, of, oh, but you know, it's better than if I had it long-term and you know, you really need to find what's the, the most I can get out of it because we're all in this to make money. I mean, I enjoy doing it. I enjoy meeting guests. Um, i enjoy renovating homes but at the end of the day it really is if we're gonna make money or not
0: yeah for sure yeah awesome man well this was this was super interesting to to chat to you about, about this definitely like a really cool story and for the listeners if you if you've never been to Ruba, i i can highly recommend it i was there just over a year ago as i said and it's a beautiful, beautiful island. The beaches are amazing. The, it's a paradise, right? The crystal clear waters. Like I went snorkeling yeah. outside of the nearest beach. I just put on a snorkel, start snorkeling. And within a couple of minutes, I ran into some turtles. And, and you can see them really well because the water is so clear. And it's a cool... It, it's a, I live it's a cool very island. close
1: to where you were. Yeah? Yeah, that's in Trapi, So that's really close by. And yeah, I mean, the, the, the water there is perfect. I swim during the week, sometimes in the morning, and almost always get to catch the turtles. So that's fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's incredible, man. Like you, you can just jump, literally walk into the water, snorkel on, and 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 hang out with those turtles. It's it's an amazing experience. I went kite surfing as well, which was a lot of fun. And I'll wrap up the podcast with this. I'll tell you, I had a fun experience actually in uh, in Aruba. So I went, I went out for some drinks, and then I wanted to go back to my to the place where i was staying and, and so i was staying in the north of the island you know i was going I, w- I, w- I went to a bar like close where all the bigger hotels are it's probably It's probably like an it would be like an hour walk it's only like 10 minutes but with a taxi but then it's, yeah. it's, it's it, it started raining and there was lockdown at the time like after i can't remember what time it was either 10 or 11 i, c- yeah. I can't remember but anyway like i was at the hotel lobby and I was trying to get a taxi and I couldn't get any, like, you know, the security <laughs> guard was telling me like, yeah, no, the lockdown starts in like 10 minutes or something. And like, you know, taxis are not coming out anymore at this time. And I was like, Oh, I was like, how do I get back to my place? Right. And I think my phone wasn't working or my phone was like dead. And I was just like, Oh my God. Like, I've, I've, you know, I messed up here. Like, I'm, I'm probably going to have to walk back. And, you know, it's past lockdown time. So who knows? Like, maybe the police will, like, arrest me or something. I don't know. I, I don't know the island very well. So I just started walking. And within a few minutes, a car stopped. This guy opens up his window and, and he asked me, like, where are you going? You know, and I, I told him, like, oh, you know, I, I'm staying at this place up in the north of the island, but I can't find a taxi. And, and he's like, oh, man, just uh, get in the car. And he just drove me home yeah you know that's that's the type of island it is like it's a small community and everyone's just cool and everyone's friendly
1: yeah yeah that that's exactly what aruba stands for we're very safe it's a happy island there's a lot going on there's a lot of activities so you know i recommend aruba to anyone the ones that visit you know you guys can go on vacationaruba.com if you want to stay in an alternative accommodation if not you're more than welcome you know that island has so many options. I'm sure everyone will have a fantastic vacation.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I can vouch for that too. If you want to check out Alex's business, vacation, aruba.com. Very, very great URL. Awesome URL to have. All those houses are listed on, on that website. So, uh, and yeah, again, highly recommend it. It's a, it's a little paradise.
1: Thank you so much for the invitation, Jasper.
0: Alex, thank you so much. It's been really fun talking to you and to the listeners. Uh, Thanks for listening. And on Friday, of course, Eric and I will be back with an episode of STR Conversations of the Get Paid for Your Pet podcast. And with that said, have a great week, everybody, and see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. We really hope you enjoyed the show. And if you want to learn more about hosting on Airbnb and building a short-term rental business, then go ahead and subscribe to our daily email newsletter at getpaidforyourpad.com. And if you're just starting out on Airbnb, make sure to download our free Airbnb starter guide at getpaidforyourpad.com forward slash get started if you enjoy this podcast make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and please leave us a review on apple podcast for a chance to win lifetime access to the short-term rental profit academy our starter course for anybody who wants to start an airbnb business every month we select one random reviewer and give that person access to the course Um, So if you want to have a chance to win access to the course, uh, please leave us a review and then uh, you might uh, join our program pretty soon. So thank you for listening. Check back every Monday for a new episode of The Host Show and every Friday for an episode of SDR Conversations of the Get Paid for Your Pad podcast.